your black is beautiful. And if there's anything better than being beautiful, it's being smart. And if there's anything better than being smart, it's being kind. And reaffirming that every day is our method of making sure her chin never drops. My dad wasn't around. And I remember riding a bike and falling off and cutting myself. And me never just wanting to get back on it. People ask, how your children learn how to ride a bike and you didn't? I didn't teach them. I just created an environment where they taught themselves. And all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. All right. Welcome to Growing Up in America. Mandy Kimball, Bob Sanborn here. Mandy, how's it going? Happy New Year. Wonderful. Happy New Year. Very, and are you ready for the big prediction show today? We love predictions. We, we do love Even predictions. Even if we're right or wrong, let's have a conversation. That's right. And so we love to do this thing right at the beginning of the year. We go right into the predictions. What's going to happen this year? We're going to talk about predictions with children, predictions about politics, predictions about education. It's like your favorite movies. Favorite movie, right? Who's best picture. We're going to do that, right? Uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Everything that you could think of for predictions for 2023, we're going to do right here on Growing Up in America. Mandy Kimball, Bob Sanborn. Welcome to Growing Up in America here on 90.1 KPFT Pacifica Radio. This, as always, Mandy, is a discussion on our children, public policy, how do we as a city community do when it comes to taking care of all of our kids, production of children of America, children at risk. It's the voice of Texas children. That's not funny. I know. What is the deal? It's very serious. It's like I'm, I'm like tripping over my words here, right? Uh, the Children at Risk is a nonprofit organization dedicated to research, public policy, law, collaborative action on behalf of the youth of Texas. Every week, we filled this exact same 60 minutes with lively discussion on children. And uh, we have a couple of guests with us today, right? We so, do. Jason Sabo is calling in from Austin. Um, and uh, he's like, uh, he's the voice under the Capitol Dome. Sabo under the dome, right? Under the dome with Jason Sabo. So, we have him coming up. And uh, is he on the line with us already? Yeah, Jason, you there, man? I am. I am here. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year to you, Jason. And uh, did you have a good uh, uh, New Year's holiday? I did have a great New Year's holiday. I spent it in Fort Davis, Texas, where it was cold and windy and beautiful. Wow. Excellent. Fort Davis. I could think of better places to spend New Year's. It's beautiful over there. I I think that's Jason's happy spot, away from the noise. Beautiful sunset. Yeah. 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 That's very good. Very good. So, we're going to get some good predictions from Jason. Also, in the studio with us is uh, Kyler Kimball. Kyler Kimball is uh, uh, one of, because we wanted to have the voice of youth, right, Mandy? That's right. So, so Kyler is here with us. And, uh, Kyler, how old are you, man? I'm 13. I'm turning 14 in, what's today? Eight days, I think. That's eight plus four. Yep. Wow, yep. very good, yep. very good. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, Kyler's with us. And Kyler, did you do a little bit of research for your predictions today? I did, because she gave this to me, and she was like, you got to like, be your this, mom, but you can't Mandy. just like ad-lib it. Right? Oh, yeah, my mom, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't just like say random stuff, so I was like, so okay. So you're ready to go. Yep. And you've been on our radio show back in the day, weren't mm-hmm. you, Kyler? Six years ago. I'm like basically famous already. So yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 13 years old. And what grade mm-hmm. are you in, Kyler? I'm in, I'm in eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth eighth grade. grade. Yeah, wow. And where, what's your school, Kyler? Dulles Middle School. Okay. So out in Fort Bend County. The most diverse county in America. Right, Mandy? It is. I'm proud of Fort Bend. Yeah, yeah. Very good. And then also on the line with us, we have uh, Sharon Jones. And uh, Sharon is, can we get, is it possible? Yeah, we have Sharon and Jason both on. So Sharon Jones is on with us. Sharon is the director of the Texas Racial Equity Collaborative and the chief equity officer over at Children's Risk. Sharon, how you doing? I'm doing great, although I'm not as prepared as Kyler. 
<laughs> well, listen, no one is as prepared as Kyler. It's, mm-hmm. that's, exactly. So, so yeah. very good. I've read, like, yeah. And then we also have a couple of the, our Gen Z correspondents, right, are in the studio. And so we may be calling upon them. So uh, we'll see where we go. So let's go right off the bat. Uh, are you ready for the, the first round of predictions, Mandy? Let's do it. Yeah, so I'm ready to. So uh, I want to go straight to the Texas legislature. Maybe start off with uh, what do you think the biggest issue that, you know, the Texas state legislature meets uh, every other year they meet, right? And so this is the year, 2023, they're meeting. Mandy, from you, and then I'll go to Jason. Uh, what do you think is going to be the big issue that emerges, right, uh, out of this, uh, this Texas state legislature? Well, I can tell you I'm expecting the budget, immigration, and education. To yeah. be the three top issues. Um, the budget, education, and legislation. And what about... Immigration. Oh, immigration. Yes. Yeah, so the budget, immigration, and... Education. Education. And what about education is going to sort of rise to the top from your perspective, Mandy? Well, I think a lot of people are still talking about the pandemic loss. Yeah. And have we done a good job or what's being done? And then there's no way to avoid the voucher conversation. Yeah, yeah. And on immigration, it's it's always striking to me, right, uh, that we tend to feel like at our legislative level that we wanted to solve immigration. Uh, but it's really a federal issue. And it's really just uh, it's like throwing red meat to a majority of voters. Is that is that your sort of take on it, Mandy? I agree with you. It never seems to be productive. It just wastes the oxygen in the room. <laughs> the room. It's, let's move forward. But guaranteed there will be hours and hours of conversations around about immigration. There will be arguments and fights. So, yes. Jason, what's your take on the uh, big issues? Well, I agree with Mandy on her big three, except I would add one to that list, which is property taxes. Yeah. And then I would kind of put all of that, though, within a bucket of the, really the big, the big topic of conversation, the big thing at the Capitol in 2023 is going to be the 2024 election, because we're going to have a presidential election and a U.S. Senate election. And both of those things are going to consume a lot of the kind of attention and oxygen in the building knowing that a lot of people are beginning to position themselves for what might be coming next. So as we often see, the big deal at the Texas Capitol isn't so much a policy conversation as much as it is as much as it is a political positioning one. And and uh, when you when you look at this legislative session, is there something that might come up that people aren't talking about right now? Because the, the issues that you and Mandy have brought up, right? We've talked about these before. But is there something that might come up that uh, people aren't really expecting to, to happen, Jason? Well, I think you know. The, for me, it's the use of the budget. Mm. How are we going to use the budget? I mean, that's really in many kind of ways the unknown of this session. Because there are competing versions of how we use the dollars. Lieutenant Governor says we might want to hold some of those dollars back, knowing that a recession might be looming. The governor says let's use, really put the put out to the metal and put as much of that money toward property tax cuts as we possibly can. Uh, so in many ways, the big unknown here is a multi-billion dollar unknown in terms of how that conversation is going to play out. The vision for the use of the of this you know quote unquote surplus. Sharon Jones, uh, from your perspective, uh, what do you think is going to be talked about and what should be talked about that we're not talking about during the upcoming legislative session? Yeah, I think the first thing Mandy said with the budget is really going to give us an indicator of how other things are going to go, because where your treasure lies is where your heart lies as well. So we're going to get a sense of what our current legislature feels about all these other issues, about what they decide we need to spend our money on. Um, pandemic recovery is still going to be a big issue. And I think the topic for me that we should be focused on is how we uh, spend money to recover, you know, pandemic learning losses, economic losses, widened gaps in terms of um, uh, racial disparities and other other, um, things like that. And so, you know, following the budget process for me is always a big indicator of how all these other things are going to fall out because, you know, we're not going to spend money in this state on yeah. things that we do not care about. Yeah. Uh, Mandy, after this legislative session, who's going to be the most notable Texan? Who, who are people going to be talking about this legislative session? 
Well, you never know exactly. Of course. That's why we have a prediction show. In the midst. (laughs) Yes, yes. You know, we're predicting, but I can't predict all the fights and then who made the most memorable moment. Yeah. But what I can say, um, I think Senator West. Uh, Royce West out of Dallas. Royce West is really positioned. He's senior in the Senate. He has great committee assignments and is, uh, you know, good relationships across the board and is Mm -hmm. really positioning himself to be a strong advocate for children and family issues. And so really, I'm hoping that, you know, after this session, we can say, look what was accomplished. And thank you for being such a great leader. Mandy, in in Houston, uh, John Whitmire, who's a state senator, is going to be running for mayor. Is there something that he's likely to do at the legislative level in terms of trying to make a bigger name for himself to sort of launch that mayoral campaign? I don't know. He's he's been a great champion in in the legislature in regards to criminal justice reform, education. He's done a lot around human trafficking. I know that that's an issue in Houston as well that he prides himself on. So I I foresee him really speaking, continuing to speak out on those issues. Yeah. Jason, how about you? Is there a notable Texan after this legislature, legislative session that we're going to be talking about? I think Royce West is a really interesting comment from Mandy because the last session we saw the resignations of Cal Seliger, Republican from Amarillo, and Eddie Lucio, Democrat from Brownsville, two members of the Senate who in many ways were the bridges between the two parties. And I think that Royce West in many ways is going to step into that role as being the person who is able to speak both languages and, you know, have a great relationship with the Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, et cetera, et cetera. So I think Mandy's making a really interesting comment. I think the group to really watch right now, going into this session, are you know the House Democrats. You know because it's very clear on the Republican side that you know the, the, Greg Abbott might be running for governor for president, and should he do that, you have Dan Patrick, you know, kind of waiting in the wings yep. to become governor. Uh, I think those are you know so Abbott, obviously Abbott and Patrick are people to watch this session, but that's kind of a given. But there's a potential play there politically going forward that we need to be mindful of, and I think Abbott is going to come out of this session looking very good, and it's actually much a much stronger presidential contender than people give him credit for. Uh, and I, I think that, but all that said, we, if you look at the, the Democratic side of the equation, there's no, there's no one in the wing. There's no kind of heir apparent. There's no one yeah. who's there positioning him or herself to be the next leader. And when you look at where that, the wellspring of those people is going to be, it's going to be in the Texas House of Representatives, I think. And there are people who are beginning to kind of solidify their role as these kind of emerging super savvy political operators who also were very effective legislators who I could see kind of coming out of this session, you know, even better position than they currently are to begin to kind of form that, that, that next layer, the next wave of, of democratic statewide office contenders. And then quickly, uh, Jason, I guess I hear your remarks in terms of governor Abbott, is he going to be more popular after this legislative session or less popular? I think within the people that matter to him, who are the Republican base, both in Texas and outside Texas, he will be more popular than previously. Many. I think that many people across... Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying I agree. Yeah. And he has aspirations, and he's he's been campaigning this whole time. Yeah. Go on, Jason. You were saying, adding something else. Oh, no, just, just thinking that he is positioning himself very, you know, overtly. in many ways, this session, with conversations around property taxes, for example reminds me of my first legislative session, which was when, you know, the Stegosauruses were kind of on the Capitol grounds in 1999. And there was another governor who was positioning himself to cut property taxes to make a presidential run quite successfully. And I think that a, uh, it, it's kind of, those of us who've been around a while kind of can see the writing on the wall that that's kind of where things are going. Sharon, should the governor be as popular as uh, people project he's going to be after this legislative session? I think there's no doubt that he will be. And can I just say, I kind of resent that Stegosaurus remark since I was working on, <laughs> on the Capitol ground back in the 80s. <laughs> I believe I was applied to see an era. I was uh, I'm going to go to our youth correspondent here, uh, Kyler. <laughs> Because uh, just as the opposite of the Stegosaurus, it's Kyler, uh, from your perspective, from the from the youth perspective, do you see anything happening at the state legislature that is remotely interesting to you? 
No, I have no idea what like any of those words mean. Okay, no. there you go. Yeah. There, that's our youth perspective. Yep. Right there. You'll have more to say later on as we get into oh, some of this okay. other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I want to go to national politics. At the end of this year, Jason Sabo, uh, who are going to be the, late, the leading presidential candidates on each side? You know, Who's going to be the number one Republican? Uh, is Trump still going to be there? Is he finished? Who's going to be the number one Democrat? Will Biden still be in? What are you thinking, Jason? I think Biden is, has has done nothing but exceed everyone's expectations, and there's no, barring some unfortunate circumstance, I don't think there's any that he will be stepping aside and letting someone else run, especially given you know, kind of comparably to what we were just talking about within Republican, I'm sorry, Democratic Texas state politics, who's the heir apparent? Who's the obvious person to step into his shoes that would you know be a more viable candidate than he is, and, and no one you know seemingly has emerged at least in the popular consciousness. And you know I do personally think that that Trump is like burnt, not just toast, but like really burnt toast to the point where you know burnt toast kind of stinks up the house, and everybody's like you know let's get that kind of out on the patio where it's not going to stink up the house anymore. And so, Jason, you know, your prediction at said, the end at the end of this year, who's going to be the leading Republican to to sort of uh, be the candidate? I, I, I say Greg Abbott. So you're going Biden, Greg Abbott. Do you think that's the race? I think that Abbott is a real has a, is a real contender for the Look presidential at that. nomination. Mandy, how about you? When you when you think of that race, you know, next year by the end of this year, who do you think are going to be the leading candidates? Abbott could be, but what about DeSantis? You like DeSantis? Uh, you're not asking me who I like. No, I'm not. <laughs> in terms of predictions, who you, predictions that's potential, yeah. right? Potentially. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at Texas and Florida, right? And I think yeah. they're trying, like... So you think it's Biden-DeSantis from your perspective? Yeah, probably. Yeah, Sharon, how about you? I think DeSantis and and, um, and Greg Abbott are going to have to duke it out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and how about you, you sticking with Biden? you think Biden will be the Democratic nominee? I can't see anyone else stepping up um, to the plate and, and, and being successful at this point. I'm going to go out on a limb. I think it's going to be Gavin Newsom for the Democrats at the end of this year. I think Biden's going to step aside. I think, uh, and and but I think DeSantis is, uh, but you know, I always like Nikki Haley. I always think that she comes up out of nowhere sometimes. So I'm going to, Kyler, do you have any predictions on who's going to be the leading presidential candidates at the end of the year? Me. There you go. Yep. Mandy, I'm so, yep. I'm so, it's so nice that you brought Kyler along. I didn't give him mm-hmm. politics. I told you which topics. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. What <laughs> politics was not one of them. <laughs> like, I don't need, like, who's this, like, who's DeSanta? So <laughs> I, I, I thought, so Kyler is still pretty bitter, actually, at the moment. And, and, what, you know, what, uh, uh, Greg Abbott, when he vetoed recess, I thought, oh, you, yeah. I thought you were going to bring that up. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> How could someone be against recess, right? I don't know how you can veto how recess. How can you veto recess? How did that happen, Jason Sabo, that you vetoed? Anyway, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, and uh, we're going to move on. And do we know our – is uh, Dr. Bikini calling in today? Do we know whether we're doing a health uh, – we are going to have uh, Dr. Bikini a little bit in with some health predictions in a little bit. Entertainment. Who's best picture of the year? What's your prediction, Mandy? Okay, I had to go off of the ones I've seen that have been nominated thus far, right? And I'm going to go for Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. That's your, okay, very good. Sharon, do you have a pick, best picture this year? Uh, I really liked Wakanda Forever. I, I, I'll stick with that. Wow. Jason, Jason Sabo, what are you thinking? Uh, everything, everywhere, all at yeah, once. That's my or Elvis. But probably everything, everywhere, all at once. That's my prediction as well. Everything, and you know, when I saw it, and I have to say, I have so many friends that think it's the the it's the end all be all movie. I I did not like it as much, but I do think it's going to end up being Elvis? best picture. No, no, everything, oh. everywhere, all at once. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I yeah. didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about you, Kyler? What are you thinking? Um, so I liked Wakanda Forever. But I, I think it was kind of like all right, if I'm being honest. I think that the new Avatar is probably that or uh, mm. the new Top Gun. Because yeah. those were really just big. Yeah, they were the CGI in Avatar has always kind of been like a big thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And then Top Gun, it was just really good. I don't know. So yeah. audience favorites. We're hearing a lot of audience favorites here. There's not a lot of deep thought on predictions here. This is like audience favorite material here. No, because I liked I liked the other ones better. I liked Elvis. Yeah, very good. And Top Gun, but I still picked Wakanda. Sable, what were you going to add? 
Oh, oh, nothing. I've, I've exhausted all of my knowledge on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right, let's move. Bob chose the topics, just so everybody knows, yeah, yeah, right? Well, yeah. Obviously, yeah, it's <laughs> the, the, Fort, the Fort Davis multiplex only gets so much, man. <laughs> How about sports? So the big question on sports, Astros repeating. What do you think, uh, Jason? No. Come on, Houston. Give, it, give me a break, Houston. Just take a, take a, take a chill tone to that. Um, I think they're favorites, though. So uh, who, who, who do you think is going to win the World Series next year, then, would you say, Jason? The Reds. <laughs> All right. Mandy, Astros repeating? Yes. And Kyler, Astros repeating? Uh you need to yes. speak into the microphone. And so, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. He was getting, <laughs> yeah. He's getting inside from Mason, yeah. right? He's yeah. brother, so. Yeah. Astros jersey, bro. I was like, yeah. Super Bowl winner, Mandy. Super Bowl. Buffalo Bills. Oh, there you go. There Good. You go. Sharon, you have, a, you have a, a winner for the Super Bowl? I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles because that's, just happens to be a, a favorite amongst my members of, of the family. And I'm not a real big football fan unless somebody I know is on the field. So I'm going to say Philadelphia Eagles because I know a whole bunch of people in my family that would say that. Very good. Um, so I, first off, I, Astros are absolutely repeating. And uh, I think Kansas City probably for the Super Bowl. And then the big question, though, college football. Bulldogs. Really? Georgia against uh, TCU, you're going with the Georgia, right? That's the easy pick. Jason, you go with the easy team. pick. You going with the easy pick as well? Well, you didn't. First off, you didn't ask me for my uh, Super Bowl pick. Go ahead, Super Bowl Which, winner, Jason. It'll be the Bills and the Cowboys, and Houston, the Cowboys are going to win. Okay, okay. Uh, and always in any college sports, even when Ohio State is playing, always root for the public school. That's my motto. That's, oh. that's how I go on all college sports. So I got to go with Georgia. Georgia, very good. Sharon, you have a pick: TCU, Georgia. I'm going with TCU because ordinarily I root for the Longhorns and all things, and so this time I'm just going to root for the Horn Frogs. Yeah, <laughs> very good. I think I'm going with Texas as well. I mean, it's uh, it's in Texas after all, right? So. I'm going to I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go to uh, before we bring uh, in a couple of minutes, we're going to bring on uh, Dr. McKinney to talk a little bit about health. But let's move to technology real quick. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you, Jason, you know, we asked each each one of you to come up with sort of a big tech prediction. Do you have a big tech prediction for us, Jason? I, I, I do. And one of the things I think that, you know, people who watch Texas politics kind of peripherally and may not always get is. What a fundamental role that technology, particularly social media, particularly Twitter, over the last decade has played in Texas politics in terms of an agenda-setting part of the conversation and information exchange. I communicate with a lot of reporters. I don't call them. I don't email them. I direct message them on Twitter. It is the the place where the conversation happens and and has happened over the course of the last decade, remembering that. I mean, Twitter was was released, and, and, and it was like and it, was, it was like it released in its very first moment at South by Southwest during a legislative session in Austin, Texas. So, I mean, this has always been kind of Twitter's always been a, such an integral part of the political conversation, and just having seen over the course of the last couple of months so much of that conversation shift, deflate, we have it's much less important than it was even a year ago, and I think that for me, kind of the tech from which is my very kind of biased perspective, kind of looking in at all this, is that the impact of this is this kind of not only the rightward turn of Twitter, but in many ways Twitter moving away from being as important a platform and place to have the conversation politically that it's been, for better or for worse. Very good. How about you, Mandy? You have a big tech prediction? I, I wanted our Gen Z correspondent to, to really – can you speak from there? So, uh, Lauren – uh, In typical Gen Z fashion, I understand the technology we're working with a little better than Bob. <laughs> so, Lauren, when you think about tech, I mean, what for you, because you're like in it, right? Mm-hmm. And what is your big prediction for it? What are we going to see this year that's that's so different? Because there's so many possibilities, right, when we th- talk about this category. That's true. I was just joking in here. My hope for tech would be that Elon Musk gets catapulted into space to not be returned. But I don't think that's a prediction as much as it is wishful thinking. That's just wishful thinking. Um, yeah. 
I think that we got some really interesting content around the self-driving car question this year. I mean, I don't think they're coming to market, but I think that that's going to keep being something we're talking about. Um, Continuing on cars, even like California is banned buying non-electric cars after 2025. Mm -hmm. So I think there could be some interesting stuff around, you know, reusable. Similarly, they're like banning flights under a certain time. So I think in like the transportation climate change tech um, and then I think, I don't know, the conservatives got their panties in a twist about TikTok, which they do like every eight months or so. So I'll be interested to see. I assume they're not going to do anything about it. Um, but I got forwarded an email from a certain conservative relative letting me know that it was China's digital fentanyl um, <laughs> that they've gotten American youth hooked on. So I think some interesting stuff around data security and privacy in the TikTok, Facebook world. You, you like TikTok. I well, love though. TikTok. So, so I, I proudly so ditched I, yeah. on, hooked on China's digital fentanyl. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, though, uh, when uh, you're hearing a lot about these uh, AI bots, right? Chat, mm. GPT, and so forth. What do you think about, I mean, I, I sort of think that AI is going to be really big by the end of this year. There's some the year. that can do some really cool stuff. I saw actually on TikTok, there's one, the the most popular one, whatever it's called, like can write you a cover letter. Right, yeah. And they do a really good job. Yeah. Like somebody was doing it to, in, to kind of make a joke. Like if you've seen, like I made AI watch or read all these scripts and then like write one and it's horrible. But like the kind of stuff they're tur- they're turning out is actually really impressive. So I think that could be very exciting. Um, and hopefully everyone then abolishes cover letters. Wow. very Because AI can do them. And uh, before you uh, go back to uh, producing the show, do you think at the end of this year, TikTok will be bigger than, uh, than it is right now? I do. I think TikTok... I almost feel like this, uh, by the government saying you can't do it, is sort of making it even more popular, right? Well, I mean, I just think that like the, there's not much we can do about it now. Like Instagram and Facebook, I think, have kind of killed themselves trying to become TikTok and yeah. like TikTok was doing it first and so they're still doing it better and that's where so many you know ad dollars are going like creators aren't able to use like Instagram's a mess right now trying to use it to get the views you're used to to get the the content you know visibility um and I think that TikTok is just still continuing to innovate while Instagram and Facebook are catching up yeah very good thank you Lauren Beagle our Generation Z correspondent Mandy what were you going to say about technology your big prediction and I know your son has a prediction as well. So, <clears throat> Well, Elon Musk, right? Yeah. He's a thing. Yeah, he is. He keeps talking about a chip in the brain. And I just wonder. He says he can do it. What if he does? No. Tell, talk a little bit about that. I've not heard about this at all. No? I'm not sure that, that you're the source I should be listening to, though. But Why wouldn't you listen to me, Bob? <laughs> I'm telling you what he said. That's all I know. <laughs> So that's your, about, is that your, is that your, Sharon and Jason are both itching to talk to you about this one. So, uh, you can put a chip in a brain. Yeah. Okay. That's your big prediction. But chip in a brain. Yeah. Sharon, what were you saying on this? Well, I was asking her if she got her information from TikTok. <laughs> it was an interview with him. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. But to piggyback on the conversation about AI and, and cover letters, you know, I have my son is in college, and so I'm thinking that AI is going to be the bane of college professors' existence in the near future because, yeah. you know, kids are learning to use it for all kinds of stuff, including, you know, papers that they turn in and, and, and work. And then I also think that um, we will continue to see um, more technology related to video conferencing and collaboration as more people are working from home and then continuing to do so well well into um, 2023. Yeah, you know, as I was te- thinking about technology, I didn't even think about Zoom and, and what Zoom has done, virtual offices and so forth, and how that has impacted uh moms and dads and families in such profound ways that we're just sort of assuming that it's part of the landscape now when uh, we need to be talking a little bit more about that. Kyler, you have a big technology prediction, I, I know. So what is your big prediction? Oh, well, like, I was like, because like chat GPT, yeah. that's like, that carried my ELA grade, bro. That was so useful. Because like, it like, you can like, you'd have, you type in like, like a paragraph or two, right? And then it'll like go like, it'll like expand it. But it'll use like big words too. It'll be like so. You're already using ChatGPT. So, well, there's there's a lot of them, right? Like I think like the fourth one's in development. The third one is the most recent one, and there's also all of those like um, 
on TikTok, there's like those filters and stuff, like by AI, right? That and there's also like the art that they can make, which I find pretty cool. Yep. Wow, that's my good. prediction. Very good. So, so my AI. Yeah. This is what I don't know. So, so AI is good in education. It's continuously being used more and more. Yeah. For data, information, things we really need. Yeah. But then there are also, you see um, parents getting more concerned about AI and the impact on its children. So potentially, like, there could be a rise against AI, more so than there is. And so it'll just be interesting. I'm not saying that they would win, but yeah, very do you good. agree? I, I agree. Do we have a little musical interlude before we get to uh, Claire? Do we? No, no musical interlude. We're going right to Dr. Bikini. So in the house with us today, Dr. Claire Bikini from uh, uh, the Texas Medical Center. And hey, Dr. Bikini, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you all doing? Very good. Are you Hi. ready to make some health predictions? I have to say, Happy New Year, Dr. Bikini. Happy I'm New Year. You. Wow, much love. year. <laughs> yeah. So, Claire, when you think about the coming year in health, what are the, sort of the big predictions for you? Well, thank you for asking. Um, yeah. It's always hard to know exactly what to predict, but there are a few things that I'm going to monitor very closely. Um, one prediction, um, which is not, not too hard to make, is the fact that you know, when this public health emergency uh, ends, we're going to see a whole lot of kids and moms who um, you know, come off of Medicaid. So I, I do have a prediction that in 2023, we're going to see a lot more people uninsured. Um, and uh, I worry that in a state like Texas, um, is not going to either be prepared or, or ready to help uh, everybody enroll where they need to be to have uh, insurance coverage. So that's certainly something that I'm worried about for this year uh, because access to care, which is much more than insurance, but insurance does pay, play uh, you know, a large role in, in how people can access care, um, in, in which, of course, leads to a lot of other uh, important yeah. aspects and health outcomes. So that's one thing. Um, you know, second thing is, you know, I, I think that there has been growing momentum behind uh, mental health awareness and, and people wanting to do something about mental health. I really feel like 2023, we're going to start to see more movement on this topic. It appears to be something that has, you know, bipartisan support. Um, there are, you know, agencies, many different agencies that are putting more money into this. And I'm hoping that not only do we have innovative solutions, but our state um, backs that up with the funding needed um, to be able to, you know, really uh, make, uh, you know, some, some big moves on the mental health front. Claire, I want to dissect that a little bit more, maybe bring Jason, yeah. Sharon, and Mandy into that conversation. On, on mental health, uh, you know, right after Uvalde, right, this is, this is sort of the go-to mm-hmm. for a lot of people who don't want to talk about guns. They just want to talk about mental health. And, you know, for a lot of us as advocates, we've just accepted that, right? That's how we're going to get more mental health money in the state of Texas is uh, let them say we're not going to talk about guns. We're going to talk about mental illness. But there was a reporter at the press conference at Uvalde that specifically said to the governor, said, uh, Governor, by putting more money in mental health, does that mean that you'll finally accept federal money, sort of federal help on this? In, in other words, talking about Medicaid, you know, expansion mm-hmm. of Medicaid, which would be a lot of money into the state on, on mental health, right? On many things, but also on mental yep. health. <clears throat> Do you think that this is the year that that might happen, or is that still pie in the sky for us, uh, Claire? And then I'll, I think that's it. still pie in the sky, unfortunately. I, I think we have too many... Um, individuals uh, in in leadership positions who are just kind of, you know, fundamentally opposed to Medicaid. Um, And uh, even though it it would be amazing for moms, uh, you know, healthy, healthy parents, healthy kids, right? If we could take care of uh, parents, we'd have much better outcomes uh, for kids as well. Um, And uh, it's mental health. Yes, we'd have much better uh, access to mental health care. But um, that I don't think that's going to, at least I wouldn't think right. that's going to happen this year. Jason, yeah. is there a middle ground anywhere here where we as a state can accept a lot more of this mental health money through some sort of form of Medicaid expansion, or is it an all or nothing uh, deal? You know, one of the things that we, that the last legislative session did was say, Hey, let's give moms up to six months coverage. The federal government said, no, you need to do a year or nothing. And uh, so the, the, the federal government sort of puts this pressure on the state to do more that the state refuses to accept. Right. And I actually, in this particular instance, do agree with the federal government yeah. position on all of this. And, you know, I do think that you know, the Medicaid expansion is, itself is pie in the sky. But as you're, as you're noting, I mean, we've already seen 
the incoming speaker, the returning speaker of the House, most likely, Speaker Phelan, coming out very strongly for yeah. 12-month extension, even yep. if the state has to pay for it itself, to make sure that those new moms get that coverage for, for one year postpartum. And, you know, but the reality is that it's we just have to remind ourselves every now and then on things like, even when we're talking about children's health care, that quite often from a political standpoint, which is the important one, yeah. the cruelty is the point. Right. And then if we're talking about immigration, we're talking about health care access. There are political points to be scored in denying care to people, not just not expanding care to people. Yeah. Manny. It's so frustrating. I want us to have movement in yeah. health care and mental health. So we will have some hopefully better access to mental health in the schools. I mean, you, you look at the conversations that happened at the, the Capitol and interim reports coming out. And so they'll, they'll put some more dollars in there, but nothing compared to what we should be doing. Yeah. And to your point, um, you know, postpartum coverage, that'll happen. Hopefully yeah. I'm, I'm predicting yeah. that yeah. it'll happen next. It's a fight though. And it's ridiculous that it is such a fight for it to happen, but I don't think there'll be anything beyond that. Yeah. Sharon, any, you know, any, one thing I think that's important on, to know, I'm sorry. Go on. But, no, but one thing that I could note about something I've heard Bob say quite often in the wake of Valde, when the legislature was contorting itself to pat itself on the back in every conceivable manner about what it had done previous to Valde, notably some limited expansions in funding for mental health services in schools and just in general for kids. You know, I heard Bob say at that point was the legislature boldly took the state from number 51 in mental health funding to number 51 in mental <laughs> health funding. So when That's we're right. talking about these issues, it's important to keep them in context as to what we've done in the past. While it is good, it's a small down payment on actually what needs to happen. Yeah. Sharon, you have a thought? Yeah, all of that that was just said, um, we have to keep in mind when you mentioned Uvalde is that, you know, Uvalde and all the, the whole, the horrific things that happened there and they still voted for the party that would not increase access to mental health or health care mm-hmm. for, for even the folks who were, you know, survivors of, um, and victims of that, of that tragedy. And so the bottom line for me is that it's not going to change until there's a groundswell change within the people. And so, you know, groups that are, I just went to a, a Medicaid expansion conference right prior, prior to Christmas, and the point that was driven home is that there has to be a demand from the people for Medicaid expansion. Before from from the majority, right? Yeah. And the majority and the majority need to vote, right? And, and, That's and it. it's one of the things that we see in Texas is that the majority do not vote in Texas, right? If everyone who, who was eligible to vote voted, we'd have a whole different deal. We would have Medicaid expansion in the state of Texas. That's exactly the point. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jason, before we go back to Claire and I'll ask Claire the same question. What is the year? If you predict what, what is the year that we have Medicaid expansion in Texas? Um, I don't think we're going to ever not as long, you know, not necessarily ever, but, the, but by the time that would actually happen, we will have reformed American health care to the point where expanding Medicaid in a piecemeal manner that we're talking about doing in the first place will be seen as wow. As, as, wow. As not, not enough. Very good. And Claire, what are you thinking on this one? Is there a year? Well, I'm a, I'm a little more optimistic, I think, than Jason, but probably he's more realistic. Um, so I, I mean, I'm hoping within 10 years we can see some change, yeah. um, but it, I don't think it's in the immediate um, sessions by any means. Mandy, I'm much more optimistic. I, I'm saying, you know, I'm saying 25 or 27, we're going to see some Medicaid expansion in the state of Texas. Uh, so uh, I, I just feel years? like, listen, this is what I saw this last election, right? I saw Generation Z turn out to vote. Not as much in Texas. We saw it nationally, but I think it's going to change. I think Latino voters are beginning to emerge to vote. That's been the single group that has not voted. I think things are going to change. I'm I'll optimistic. I'll go with you in 27. 27? At least a step in the right direction. Plus, you know, the thing is, in 27, who's going to correct us from this show, right? Come on. So <laughs> Some step. <laughs> so, uh, Claire, Claire, you're optimistic, aren't you? I think overall, yes, I'm optimistic about things. <laughs> Very good. I'm optimistic about the year. Yeah. I, I think we're in for some trouble when it comes to vaccines. Yeah, talk a little uh, bit about that because, the, as you know, that's one of uh, – you and I love to talk about vaccines. What, what do you think is going to be happening yeah. during this legislative session around vaccines? Well, I think, unfortunately, 
likely we're going to see, we already have seen, I mean, there are bills that have been uh, filed already uh, to try to make it, um, you know, harder for people to be up to date with their immunizations, to try to scare people away from immunizations. Um, It's really, you know, a huge shame. We're already seeing outbreaks of uh, measles in Ohio, Mm. uh, large outbreaks, mostly unvaccinated kids, many of whom have required uh, hospitalization to take care of them. I mean, these are things I don't I don't want to see. But unfortunately, I think uh, in Texas, we're at risk of real vaccine preventable illness outbreaks, um, you know, top that with the fact that we're, you know, on the cusp of another COVID surge here in Texas uh, with this new uh, variant that's spreading across the country, causing a lot more disease again. Um, so unfortunately, infectious diseases, I think, are still going to be in the news quite a bit. Um, and and I, I do worry that many of them are vaccine preventable and we're not using this wonderful life-saving resource. Yeah. You know, I, as an infectious disease uh, pediatrician, I take care of these kids, and it's heartbreaking to see them suffer and um, and struggle so much with these infectious diseases. Wow. wow. But I think another question you did ask me is, you know, uh, to prepare before the show is, will we learn from the pandemic? And, and for me, yeah. it's really who are we talking about in terms of the we? Um, because from the science perspective, from the pediatrician's perspective, we've learned it. And I think a lot of this new research that's been applied to COVID is going to help us save more lives in other in other ways. I mean, there are so many. We talked a lot about the RSV virus last, you know, in the news over the last six months. We have multiple vaccines and, and new drugs coming out that should really help prevent a lot of babies from needing to be in the hospital. The same technology that was used for COVID vaccine can be used for other viruses. I, I honestly think we've learned a ton from the pandemic, and if the public chooses to use some of these tools, it's going to be incredible what type of infections and, and um, you know, disease we can prevent going forward, thanks to what we've learned from COVID. Um, fortunately, I think uh, policy-wise, I'm not sure we have learned from the pandemic, um, yeah, but from I don't the think we have. Side, we've learned. And, and at the end of this year, uh, Claire, Dr. Bikini, are we going to be talking still about COVID? Are we going to be talking about COVID in the next couple of years? Continue to like we're talking about it today. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, I'm hoping it's still where we have a more normal life, but we take um, you know precautions when we have surges and we get our boosters so that we can stay out of the hospital. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't I don't see COVID going away uh, anytime soon, at least. And if you had to do, go out on a limb, Dr. Bikini, with a health prediction that maybe people sort of might not even believe what do you have one do you have and and i'm gonna ask everyone else the same question you know like what is your sort of out on a limb health prediction for this coming year oh my goodness i don't know if i have an out on a limb health prediction um it's way out there yeah or you know that you think i mean i just i'm just looking for some sort of interesting health prediction from you oh i'm sorry that was not interesting, Dr. Bob. Um, <laughs> let me see. So um, maybe you have to come back to me. Okay, I'll go to Jason for his uh, his okay. uh, big health prediction. Uh, Jason, and then Sharon, and then Mandy, and then we'll go back to Dr. Bikini. Thanks. Jason? Well, my big health prediction this year is despite the efforts of the very well-organized Texas anti-vaccine advocacy community, yeah. pet vaccines will be protected in Texas at the legislature this session. Yes, they not only oppose people vaccines, they oppose pet vaccines. So that's my true story. It's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Fido will be safe. Oh, Mandy, your big, your big health prediction. Do you have a health prediction? I predict that people will talk more about mental health. Yeah, mental health is a good one, right? You know, the good thing is, is that mental health, there's stigmas with mental health. And I feel like people are able to talk more freely about it, that the stigma is decreasing. Yeah, very good. And uh, Sharon, you have a big uh, health prediction? Yeah, even though it's the third rail of discussion, I do think that abortion as health care will emerge as another uh, topic, um, especially because of our really restrict, restrictive law in Texas that a lot of people who are seeking um, health care solutions to, to problems that aren't, aren't necessarily unwanted pregnancies but are classified as abortion technically, I think that's going to be a topic of discussion on how we um, take care of women for whom abortion is um, a solution to their health crisis. Uh, and I'll do a health one before we go to back to Dr. Bikini. Climate change, right, fits into another one of my predictions later. But I do believe 
we're going to start seeing some of the impact of climate change with tropical diseases coming into Texas a lot more. I mean, we've seen a little bit of it, but I think we're going to start paying a lot more attention to this, especially as we see fewer members of our population vaccinate. You know, we're going to start seeing some of these tropical diseases. So that's uh, sort of my uh, prediction. Claire, you have one for us? Oh, I think those are all great. I mean, I actually predict, you know, Jason, I know that the pets will be safe. I think we're going to end up protecting routine childhood vaccines mm. uh, for kids, too. It's just going to be a challenge. Yes, um, we will. The only thing, yes, we will. <laughs> and the only thing I'll throw in there is I think on a national level, more and more data have um, supported really innovative ways of integrating, addressing social needs um, in, in the healthcare system. And I think we're going to see more of that. And I think we're going to see that discussed on the state level, too. Uh, because of of how well um, that can improve outcomes. So I'll I'll put that out there as well. Very good. Uh, uh, Claire, you can stick around for this next round of predictions if you'd like. Uh, We're doing uh, people who are likely, you know, every year someone famous dies. This year, a lot of famous people, but probably the most notable person this year was the queen, right, who who passed away. Uh, Jason, you have a prediction who's going to be someone notable that will pass away this coming year? No. See, thank you. I cannot predict someone's death. That is just bad karma. It is like. (laughs) The only thing that's going to die this year is my innocence. That's the only prediction I'm Oh, my word. (laughs) This is a commonplace thing on prediction shows. Like, Castro is going to die this year, right? I mean, there's just people that are old enough, you know, that they're going to die. Okay, Mandy's refusing. Jason, are you refusing as well? I am refusing on principle. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly, Dr. Bikini, you're saying no as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> I even put this in the notes. Everyone was supposed to come up with a prediction on this one. Sometimes okay. we just have to say no, Bob. All right. No. Very good. <laughs> Dr. Bob, the only thing that's dying right now is McCarthy's chances of being Speaker of the House. Look at you. <laughs> Look at you. I, I heard Sharon saying job, Sharon. Kevin McCarthy is dying. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. That was a prediction right there. Uh, that's the big thing. Uh, uh uh, Dr. McKinney, you want to stay for the rest of the show and do some more predictions with us, or do you have to move on? No, I'd love to stay with okay. you for the rest of the show. This Very, is great. Did uh, you have a prediction of who was going to die? Castro. I'm going with Fidel Castro. Oh, you know? okay, okay. But okay. but if you recall, any, when we used to do this show a long time, I would always say Fidel Castro. It's I, I, I always expect he's going to die someday soon, so uh, he's getting old. Uh, let's go to education news. Uh, vouchers in Texas. Mandy, you've already predicted. Do you say vouchers going to die? Or some sort of voucher. Maybe not full-blown traditional vouchers. No, I think there possibly could be some sort of voucher system implemented Do you think in it'll Texas. happen? I'm, yeah. I'm thinking it's going to die. Completely? So, yeah, I don't think we're going to have any sort of vouchers uh, in K-12 through at all. So, uh, Jason, how about you? I'm with Mandy on this one. You think there'll be some you know, sort of voucher? I, I do. I don't think that it will be a traditional voucher as we would define it. You think maybe like a special ed voucher? That's probably the the slippery slope. Something along those lines. Something that is that is implemented in such a manner as it holds harmless every single school district in Texas. And when you have twenty seven billion dollars on the table, at least minimally, that becomes possible to do. So if if we were to do something like this, I can see it happening in a circumstance where there is a limited pilot project of sorts that targets a handful of kids in a manner that takes no money away from any school districts and may actually, in some senses, give money to a school mm-hmm. district. So I, I'm, I'm, I think this might be – you, know, you know, if you think about when Republicans took control of the House, that was 20 years ago this year. That was 2003. The Republicans lost control of the House you know, after Reconstruction, right, and then didn't get the House back until 2003. And you look at the things they wanted to do when they took power. The one thing on the list that they haven't accomplished, I mean, abortion reform, tort reform, you name it, the one thing they haven't accomplished is the voucher Vouchers. program. Yeah. And, you know, Dan Patrick is very serious about this, and, and he's a very skillful politician. I'll be surprised if something doesn't happen. Sharon, you have a prediction on vouchers, and then we'll go to Dr. Bikini on this one. Uh, I lean toward what um, Jason just said, because not only is, uh, the lieutenant governor, skilled politician, but now you know is is em- emboldened by um, you know this past vote. So I, I feel I feel like it, 
some version of of this will pass. Dr. Bikini, what are you thinking? No, I agree. I think Dan Patrick. I've heard him talk about it too much. I think uh, it's. I think it's more likely to to happen, or have yeah. some progress on that from their standpoint. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm, I'm, and maybe I'm positive. You keep that up. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep. Well, you know, I'm going to keep nice. it up. So, uh, pandemic loss. We're talking about education. Pandemic learning loss rebound. Are, are our schools going to be able to pull back from this? I'm going to go to you, Doctor Bikini, to 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 start up on this. So. Uh, uh, what do you think? I think it's still a struggle, but I do I do think we're going to make some more progress this year. I think we're going to make better progress this year. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I'm hopeful that we will. Very good. How about you, Jason? I'm not particularly hopeful on this one. Yeah. You know, and everyone I talk to who is on school campuses notes that the two years of the pandemic had a dramatic impact on kids. And it doesn't matter if they were in high school, middle school, or just starting elementary school pre-K. Everyone felt it, and everyone is reporting that there was a collateral negative impact. And, you know, I hope that one of the lessons that we all learn is going forward, you know, how we do public education situations like this. And do we get it right? I mean, who knows? I think the time will tell, but the question is, you know, can we rebound and can we get kids back on the right course? Yes, absolutely. Of course we can. But I guess the more important question is, do we have the political will to commit the resources necessary to make that happen? And that's where I really, really have concerns. Yeah. Mandy? Rebound? Yes. Kids are resilient and we need to... But I, but I hear what you're saying, Jason. Texas needs to invest right. in our public education They, they don't system. seem to be talking about it very much right now, right? They're right. Publicly. In the Capitol, they're talking about some. They're trying to gather data. You think of data. Some of that's just yeah. coming in because it lags so much, right? And the, the discrepancies that we're seeing and the inequities in the public education system are just glaring. And so I think we really need to to try i also though think like technology can help to some extent are we doing enough no but have mm-hmm. we learned are things in place to help um in case this ever happens again i you know i do think so so i think we're moving in the right direction do we feel it absolutely are we doing enough no Very so good okay uh i want to go to our big predictions for the end of uh, the year and sharon i'm going to start with you what's your big prediction uh, uh, for this this coming year? What do you see in, in any category? Um, I think that uh, if we, we go back to talking about education, one of the things we... Any, any, any topic. An eye yeah. On, yep. yeah, let's keep let's keep an eye on community colleges this year because I think that that's where the conversations about pandemic learning loss um, will take place, especially from the budget standpoint because... When you look at how um, kids fared that were in high school during the pandemic, community colleges are, are stepping up to pick up the slack of those pandemic learning losses in terms of the classes that they offer for uh, recovery of learning loss. Um, and so, you know, looking at how the state and the nation spends money in the area of community colleges is going to be a big indicator of, of how we are able to rebound. Dr. McKean, your big prediction for the year? I think it's going to be innovation uh, in medicine now. Will it be available to everyone? You know, of course, we need to uh, work on that and, and access to care. But I think we're going to see some, some major uh, innovations uh, that, that lead to improved outcomes in cancer care and in infectious diseases uh, you know, across uh, multiple, multiple areas in health. There's just some pretty amazing stuff coming out. I'm excited about it. You know, in regards to cancer care, I, I wonder... Dr. Bikini, you know, I know that so much research went into the vaccines, the MDNA, and uh, to, to make these so effective. It seems like a lot of that could cross over into some of the cancer research. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. It's pretty amazing. I should have said that earlier. But yes, uh, I mean, teaching your own body to fight uh, cancer uh, has become something that just is, is just really taking off. Um, and, uh, you know, gene therapy for other, uh, you know, illnesses, it's just really incredible. Um, so I, I think we're going to see some, some major progress in a number of uh, human diseases. Uh, hopefully we need to get our life expectancy going back up. It, you know, yeah. a few years now it's gone down. So my prediction is hopefully we'll stabilize that and, and start to see us, uh, you know, go back up. Uh, big prediction, Jason, as we uh, wrap up the show. Well, my big prediction is the slow, crawling, begrudged 
return to reason and sanity in American political yeah. and cultural life. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we, the fever has been broken in the last few years, and people are beginning to like... I think that's going out on a limb, but I'm with you. <laughs> I just think that we're on the cusp of normalcy. Very, yeah, we're but we're in Texas, Jason. So mm-hmm. I don't know. So, Mandy, in our last uh, two minutes, your big prediction? I'm worried about the recession. Yeah, and the impact that's going to have on children and families. Yeah. So, how, what is your prediction? On what's going to happen? I know you're worried about it, but what is your prediction? I love to give you a hard time. It's really going to happen, though. Yeah. You know that negatively, families are negatively going to be impacted moving forward, and ends meet is just going to get more difficult, yeah. and that's sad. Kyler, you have a good prediction for us uh, from the I, youth. From the youth, I think that my prediction for this year is this is going to be such a good year. That I don't know about like political stuff, but I think it's going to be fun because it just sounds way better than 2022. Like, think, like, 2023 and 2022, 2023 just sounds, like, objectively better, you know? The optimism so, yeah. of youth, Mandy. He's excited about 2023. Yeah. You got to love that. So, and, I, and I'll add, um, in regards to you, I, I was so um, empowered when I saw so many young people around this country vote in this last election, right? The, for the first time, you had Generation Z outvoting those over 65. That's a big, big deal. And one of the big issues for our youngest generation and those like Kyler when they're ready to vote uh, is climate change, right? And so we are going to be held accountable for for climate change. People have been talking the good talk on climate change, but I just feel like this is the year that we're going to be held accountable. And we see this happening, electric cars, you know, alternative energies, but the stuff is moving, right? And and Mandy, I'm excited about this. I think that we're going to... You're excited about climate change. Yeah, we're... You brought in tropical diseases because (laughs) of climate change and now the voters... Well, well, I just think, and here's the other big prediction, is that this show is going to go on. We're going to keep doing this show, Mandy and I. We're going to have, uh, you know, Rebecca just sort of uh, managing and programming the show. And thank goodness for Claire Dutre and Lauren Beagle, right, for the That's work right. that they're doing. So, uh, Becca Hernandez, thank you very much for, for your work as producing. Kyler, thanks for being on the program today. No problem. Uh, Dr. Bikini, as always, a lot of good work ahead of us, and uh, we'll continue the good fight. Thank you, Dr. Bikini, for being on the program and all that you do and uh uh, sharon jones thanks for all your work uh all across the state of texas and jason sabo we'll see you under the dome right cheers cheers yeah very good very good so uh for mandy kimball and i uh we want to wish everyone a very happy new year it's going to be a good new year mandy we we know good things are going to be happening it's going to be a good year you're going to be at the capitol fighting day in and day out I'll be holding as many press conferences as I can, and uh, we'll be doing this work together and making sure that we do everything possible to make sure that every child has the opportunity to be successful, right? So we do this every day for for children. children. Very good. See you next week here on Growing Up in America. Bye, y'all. With a dream, my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame, access. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the cab, here I am for the first time. Look to my right, and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous. My tummy's turning, and I'm feeling kind of homesick. Too much pressure, and I'm nervous. Cause when the taxi man turned on the radio, and a Jay Z song was on, and a Jay Z song was on. while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam! Ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. 
A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting a Teenager Learning the Lingo. GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time. As in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Hey, it's me, your cell phone. We need to talk about something. Something serious. I know you love me. I know you like using me wherever you are. But I feel like this isn't working out when you're driving. I know you may think that it's possible to focus both on me and the road. But I just don't feel the same way. 